Second half was a different game. Game, game, game. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the We Don't Talk About New No, 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 No podcast. A light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Van and my very good friend. Bradley Adams, and this podcast is now sponsored by, well, I mean, it's really not sponsored by Imodium Plus. Still going? Still going. If you missed last episode, Bradley's been having some... Uh, issues. Rectal issues, <laughs> would that be fair to say? <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the podcast, Sorted. Clickbait, done, episode over, 35 seconds in. That's the best content you're going to get all year, guys. Yep. So I, I hope you get better soon, mate. Thanks, mate. Um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if you get through this episode. Uh, Bradley, apparently, Arsenal can lose football matches. I want my money back. Horrendous. And things can go wrong. I was not told about this. I thought we were the invincible team. That's what we do every season. That's why I picked Arsenal. Yeah. Just (laughs) fell into a coma in about 2004 and just woke up. Yeah. Arsenal 3. No. (laughs) Arsenal 0. Crystal Palace 3 at Selhurst Park. Uh, a tricky night uh, for the Gunners in the a rough, race for a top rough four. Night. Certainly rough. Um, do you mind if I go first? Go for it. I was thinking about this today. I was uh, I was on some errands and I was pondering what my take is on this. I th- I think my kind of headline for this all is you get out what you put in, and for me there is a. The the first moment of a football match is all, always really important and I think tells you a lot about how teams are going to set up, how teams are going to approach a game. I think the first moment, couple of moments, first couple of duels really tell you about yourself and, and what a team is going to try and do to you um, and how, how you look. Obviously, it doesn't always play out in the way... Um, you expect or or you or as is you know sort of symbol symbolized in that moment but it often does um and the first real duel i saw was mateta on white and he looked too strong for him and i thought here we go and it was kind of inevitable i'm a word of the game is inevitable because i think the frustrating part for me if i'm an opposition analyst and i'm giving notes to my coach on arsenal what do i say I say, hit them quickly from the start, drop on Partey quickly and force errors, stop the pipeline to Saka, overload on him, counter quickly, focus duels on the fullbacks who are the, let's face it, the weakest technically and and press high up the pitch early, early doors and get them rattled. That is what I'd say. And that is exactly what they did. It's, it's simple. That is exactly, and, and, it, and it's so frustrating because I think the thing that I feel, the reason I say inevitable is because I don't think we yet have the characters and the leaders in this team, and I think that will come with age and experience and time, who can recognise what type of game it is early and step up. Because what happened was we, first couple of duels went, and Arteta said in his post-match, first couple of duels don't go our way, and we just, we lost our heads. The touch went, the movement went, and I felt as though sorry to uh, perhaps remind you of something, we tightened our anuses and went, oh, fucking hell, it's going to be one of those nights. And I could feel the tension come into us. Um, and it was a really frustrating night because, and I think also this feels worse in some way because it, these are the types of games at the end of seasons that we've all seen before where Arsenal are chasing top top four or chasing some kind of some kind of goal that tend to be changes in some way tend to be significant moments in that running for example actually the palace game in the unai emery uh last full season you know those significant um moments in in run-ins and i hope and pray this isn't one of them yeah it's difficult on one hand i want to say we shouldn't be too easy to, to to kind of be rolled over uh, I think we were massively let down today by our senior players um, because it is the job of, of Lacazette 
and one of the main reasons that we keep him flowing through that side is is he's one of the only experienced members of the squad. Same as Thomas Partey, uh, to to get the boys when it is nights like that, get their heads in the game and, and keep us moving. And I, I I think that they they massively let us down today. It, less so with Party. It's difficult when there was such um, a design to stop him. There was such a design yeah, to stop they him. Did they tried everything that they did to yeah. stop Party. Whereas with Lacazette, um, I was just embarrassed for him pretty much the whole game. Uh, he was useless against every single player on that Crystal Palace pitch. Couldn't couldn't hold up the ball against any of them. His passing and, and hold-up play is horrendous. He hasn't scored an open play goal since December. And we're now in 17 April. games. 17 games. It, it's, it's really not good enough. And listen, I think Lacazette has done some good things for the side this season. But his last few games now have not been of the required level. And when your captain on the pitch is not, leading by example and is not it's all well and good being vocal with your teammates and trying to pick them up after you've conceded a goal but we knew things weren't going well get the lads have a word pick get them to pick their heads up and fight and if if it has to become that kind of game then it has to become that kind of game yeah my word of the game is pressure i think that there was definitely a capitulation last night um under the pressure of the event, you know, we were the last team to play Monday night football. Spurs had had a good result that that meant they'd leapt Frogast on goal, goal difference. And it, it really looked like a team feeling the pressure of having to be in the driving seat, which is not nice. Um, and it was a real, real disappointment of a performance. And I, I texted you as a joke, but I, I did. I got like... I found myself getting Vietnam level flashbacks of last season when we were just horrendous. And the same way that I was feeling about the football we were playing, I was just sat there like just so devoid. I knew, I knew at one nil that that was it because of the way that we were approaching the game and the way that we were playing. I was just like, we're, we're not going to get anything from this unless something drastic changes. And it, um, and it did change in the second half, but it just did not come quick enough. And, you know, some serious questions need to be had over now with, you know, Kieran Tierney out for the season, what we do moving forward, where the hell is Takahiro Tomiyasu and what on earth, what on earth do we do to arrest this situation? Because it's not like we'd have another informed centre forward that we can drop Lacazette for. Where the hell is Takahiro Tomiyasu could be a sort of comic I mean, I'd like to see him in all sorts of situations. The Met Gala, the Super Bowl. Do you know what I mean? Just, just The Oscars. Photoshop him into various situations. Maybe he's there. I mean, who knows? He's not He's not on the Arsenal bench, let's put it that way. Supposedly, he um, might be back for Southampton. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think the pressure in some ways did, did get to us. Um, and I don't want to excuse it, but I also want to contextualise and say we can't simultaneously be the youngest team in the league and not expect some some pressure to be felt and some you know situations of course like this to arise i just hope as i said this doesn't become something that is a definer and become something that is just a a blip in the a blip in the road um a bump in the road there would be a blip in the what would be a blip in the what doesn't matter but yeah i i i i feel you i also I want to talk about a number of solutions. I want to talk about Tierney's situation, the Tavares situation, how we kind of fix that. I also want to talk about uh, Lacazette a little bit deeper and, and lots of lots of other stuff. Before we get into the game in a more granular sense, I just want to say Wayne Rooney on Sky Sports was awful. <laughs> I think he's actually a really good manager. But some of the stuff he was saying about... Firstly, as always, Sky were talking exclusively about Man United for about 45 minutes of the hour hour um, build-up. And secondly, firstly, he said uh, Lacazette was going to be the game winner, which if you've watched Arsenal in three years, maybe you, you would know that is not the case. He was calling him Kieran Turney. And then genuinely, this was someone asked him about Kieran, uh, Martin Erdegaard and he said this. He goes, um, 
so you know what do you think of the impact of Martin Odegaard he goes yeah um you know he's a good player um you know he's come in and um he's done well and um you know he can score goals and um he can he can assist and um and um yeah I think he's I think he's a good player Listen, you, you, yeah, you know, you know about my opinions about Sky Sports. You know, I've had to succumb to to paying them their bounty, but it is, you know, I don't, I just don't understand it. United fans aren't going to be the audience base. They might make up maybe fifteen to twenty percent of the audience base, but I turned it off. I turned I off Monday Night it. Football until kickoff. I seriously think they do it so they can clip it up and put it on YouTube later. I think that's where they get the most money. I, I really do. I, I think, you know, TV's so dead now that, that I think that's basically why they do it. Um, we must talk about Nuno. Yes, we must. May I, may I take the reins? Yeah, go ahead. A difficult night for him. Um, you know, and if I'm not wrong, I think in his last two appearances, he's been subbed off at 35 and 45 minutes, respectively. Uh, and for somebody who came in and made such a big impact at the start of the season, the drop off seems gargantuan. But there is one thing to, that I that again popped into the mind that um, that is pertinent is that at the end of the day, when he was doing his best work, it was because we had Tommy Asu. We had that stable core of three, and we were basically just letting him do what he was wanting to do when we don't have that opportunity to do that. And that's why he is a good analog for what Kieran Tierney is. Remember, we've not seen Kieran Tierney at his best since Tommy Asu has been injured in since January because he does not have the license to just bomb on and combine as he usually did and can do. It's the, it's the same for me with Tavares, except from the fact that Tavares is much younger than Tierney, much less of a professional, has played much less professional minutes and has not had the time in this team to bed into that new role that Tierney's being asked to do in the wake of Tommy Asu's absence. So I, I don't think that we can come down too hard on the lad, but that does leave us with a real peculiar situation of how to fix it for the next few games. Yeah. And we'll talk about active solutions in a second. I just want to come back on the Tavares thing because I don't think Tavares is a bad player. I, I don't. And I, and, I, and I will stick by that. I just think he was put in a situation last night which he's not ready for and may never be ready for. And we may need to get someone who is ready for that. But is Tavares a bad player if we put him in the right place? No. Tavares shouldn't be in the three and build up. I'm sorry. And that's because Cedric can't do that. And and, and that's fine. I think I think he likes the sort of height in that situation. Um, he shouldn't be in the build up. Uh, I would have swapped him with Xhaka. I think there should have been some more responsibility taken by Gabriel and Xhaka. But I think, you know, Gabriel just had a baby. He can't have trained very much. So I think he was also a bit unprepared. I felt it was a kind of it was a sort of perfect storm for Tavares. They came out quickly, you know, and uh, he did make mistakes. That that did happen, but he was by no means the out and out villain in this story. Do you know what I mean? He's at fault for the second. He's he's really not particularly at fault for the fir- the first or the third, in my I mean, opinion, all, slightly. But I think but I think that's where we disagree. I think what he does for the first is it's exactly what we've seen from Arsenal players of old, the Scodram Mustafis, and hate it. He shirks responsibility of getting rid of the ball. He ducks down and out of the header because he feels slight contact. I, I think that it's... And and again, I don't want to come down on him too hard because like you say, I think this was the perfect storm of a game where they, you know, they they did everything that they needed to do and they did it perfectly. But I think we have to... Like he was... And, and, you know, I think Ben White's just as at fault for the first goal as Tavares, but not just, especially for a man, he's not small, just to kind of jump up and knock it on. I don't think that's acceptable. I, I had a, I have a slightly different read on the first goal, I have to say. I, I, I see it as a very unfortunate bit of, a bit of football where we should, firstly, we shouldn't have conceded the free kick in the first place. Gabriel 
it's a weak header, but he how is he going to know that the the you know the one part of his head that he heads it off hits someone directly in the forehead and then goes directly into someone's path? I mean, I, I just think it, and I, I don't think that negates what you just said. I just think that for me is more of the headline of that goal. I, I, I personally felt it was just a complete stroke stroke of one of those things, but Palace actually deserved it. Do you know what I mean? So it, I kind of didn't feel mm-hmm. hard done by particularly. Um, yeah, I, th- I think with Tavares, look, as I say, He's a young player. He's probably the least talented of the six we bought in the summer, but you know I think does have a good ceiling. And you know, two feet. He's quick. He's a, he's a physical. He's got physical prowess. There's, there's something there with him, and we've seen him when he drives inside. There's a real sort of chaotic energy to him, which if that can be harnessed and he can be taught to defend a little bit better, I think there's a real player there. The question is, how do we use him in this run-in? Because Tierney's out to the end of the season. Um, we've had a question from at ARD Football. He says, should we go to a back three to compensate for Tini's injury and Tomiyasu's prolonged absence? Tavares, Gabriel, Holding, White and Cedric. I I have to say, there's a number of solutions. There's the back five, back three, however you want to see it. There's putting Saka there, there's putting Xhaka there, there's uh, swapping Cedric to the other side. My preferred solution that I'm going to put out there, I think we stick with Tavares. We shift Ben White out to right back until Takahiro Tomiyasu is back. Rob Holding comes in to add a bit more solidity at the back. And we play a little bit more conservatively um, and cover for, for Tavares and allow him to bomb on and allow, and, uh, allow that bias to come on that left-hand side. I think in all other situations, you take too much of the structure of the team that is already working out. And I think you move players around who are crucial to us going forward. Um, and I think having, as you mentioned earlier, Ben White in the right back position instead of Cedric will just allow a bit of solidity, allow him to drop in as the third centre back, um, and allow us to be a bit more, bit more creative, and allow Tavares to do what he does best, which is which is in the final third at the moment. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a decent option. I think it'll also depend on the opponents coming up, because you know it was the perfect storm of a game. We had both of our first choice right backs out against the team that's talent is on the wing. Right. You know, it couldn't, it could not have happened in one of the worst games of the season. You know, Palace, their main, their main talents and avenues is either on the wing or, you know, maybe Conor Gallagher in, in central midfield. So it's, it's no wonder that, that they caused us havoc. And I think it's important to look forward and go, we've got Brighton next Listen, they've got some tricky players out on those those wide angles, but no one that I think t- that could cause problems to the level of of Zaha because he likes to throw himself on the floor more than Christ anyone I've ever seen on a football pitch, or than you know, Ayu or I, I I don't I don't think that there's any one of those. Well, there, there, there'll definitely be somebody who plays for Brighton on that right hand side that's as good as Ayu, but I I wonder whether because one of the main things that I saw from the game is White was getting dragged so far out to the right-hand side to help Cedric because of that Zaha battle. That if that isn't happening, there's a bit more solidity and a bit more calmness in that back four because the positioning is a bit similar. And, you know, at some point Cedric was having to push so far up. It was almost like we were building in a we had like a back three, right? White was at the right back channel. We had a lone centre back in Gabriel and then Tavares at left back because of the way that it just distorted our back line. And if that isn't going to happen again, I don't know whether there's such a need to play White on that right hand side um, and bring and bring Holding in. I think it depends on on the next teams we're playing. I don't know. You said he might be back for Southampton. I don't know who we've got before then, but... Um, no, sorry, after... I, I probably did say that after Southampton, I think before United. So we've got Brighton, we would Southampton, be playing and United. Brighton, Southampton. Okay. For me, I wouldn't worry too much about personnel. I think what I would do is take what you've said and stylistically just play a bit more conservatively, ask Xhaka to cover more that left back zone and not bomb so far on almost turn us back into that double pivot team that we were but not fully and then keep doing what we're doing 
because you don't want to change the dynamics too much. And I fear white at right back, then you're putting Holding in, whose distribution is not as good. I, I, I think that changes the dynamics of the team more than just asking one player to play a little bit more reserved. So the counterpart on the left-hand side can push further up. Yeah, I mean, Cedric was getting bullied by Zaha and um, chasing him around like a dog, mate. Like, you know, he he just he just couldn't get, he couldn't make any sense of him. Um, So potentially, I just think with holding there, we don't have to give the ball to holding. Do you know what I mean? Holding can give it to White and White can build up in himself and White can sort of cover those two, those two as, as holding sits back a little bit. Um, So I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're right about the fact that it will depend on the opposition. I mean, it depends what Brighton are going to do. It depends what Southampton are going to do. Um, what I would say is that I feel there's a lot of options. Um, and I think the crucial part for me, and perhaps I wouldn't have said this last night, but I will say it now, is let's not kill Tavares. Let's not drop him. Let's not, you know, put him through the Arsenal ringer. This guy's a, you know, he's a young guy. He's made mistakes. He's been hooked for it and punished for it. And that's, that's how football goes. Let's see his mentality. Let's see how he comes back. And and ultimately, we'll find out either way if he's the right guy before the end of the season. Because if it's mm-hmm. not working against 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 Brighton next Saturday, fine, take him off. And then we know that he's not the right guy. I just think, uh, I think shelving him now would send a big message to him and one that I'm not sure he'd recover from. So... Um, Certainly not in his Arsenal career. So I, I, I yeah, I, I think this is a big moment for him and I back him to pull through. Um, but it is a big moment. The Lacazette situation. Um, he's dropping very deep, as we mentioned the build, uh, in the uh, introduction. No goals from open play in 17 games, which um, isn't good. <laughs> Let's say that. Uh, I feel like he might have found his level at Brentford B, but that's fine. He, I think the frustration with me, and uh, Tim Stillman's been saying this uh, online over the past couple of weeks, and I don't completely agree with how much he sticks the boot in on, on Lacazette, because I think he he does do parts of the game, and we sort of know his limitations. Of it. It's like asking someone, you know, it's like asking me to deadlift 200 kg. It's like, I'm not going to be able to do it. Do you know, like you can't, like, there's just things that I physically cannot do. We've always known that he mm-hmm. can't do both sides of the game. We've always known that he struggles to see out games. I don't know why you're expecting it now. However, what I do feel is that there's more from him and more from that position. So either we can ask him to do more, which again, I think he's he's pretty close to the end of his limitations. Um, or we can ask Smith Rowe to slot in there. We can ask Martinelli to slot in there. We can ask Pepe to slot in there. I think there's other options. Uh, you know, even when Eddie came on, I thought there was a, a slight lift. I mean, I appreciate we were just playing better at that point. But I do feel as though there's a different solution there than Lacazette. I think we've been wedded to Lacazette because it's been working. But there's got to be some kind of... There's got to be there's got to be another solution that we can think of there that doesn't just wed us to Lacazette because, you know, I, I like him as a person, but it's just not working at the moment. Of course, um, I think one of the things that we that we lacked yesterday was Martinelli off that left hand channel. Without him, we have no direct goal threat, no player that I see that just uh, if you if they're given a a, a sight of goal just outside the box they'll snatch a shot just to see you know i and that is some that is something that that mentality you need at, at least one position across your front line and it's not smithrow's game and i don't want it to be smithrow's game but it means that without playing martinelli we we lose that completely and we just become completely toothless um and you know lacazette he he does okay at certain things but when those things don't come off he's useless and for the last kind of two or three games that's just been the situation where time and time again his first touch has been loose his passes have just been all over the shop hasn't been able to hold off players in the same way um it's it's becoming an issue because we've now 
catered our style to help him. And that's allowed other people to obviously do well. And now he's falling away as well. Um, I don't know what's going on with him or what the solution is, but I think Martinelli from now on has to be our starter on that left-hand side for the rest of the season because we we massively lack something when he is not in the team. And I don't think that we get that if he's at centre forward. Yeah, I mean, there's a number of solutions. Also, I think Smithrow will be more useful on the interior, whether he's the, the second eight uh, as a, uh, instead of... Xhaka. Xhaka and we stick holding at the back for that sort of solidity. I don't know um, because we're going to need something in there. That might be a solution sort of in-game. Um, but I mean, I was interested by Arteta's choice actually for Smith Rowe. And I wondered whether it was a case of a kind of tight pitch at Selhurst Park. Um, and I think, I, I actually think a part another part of the reason why yesterday went the way it was. I don't think Arteta expected the game that he got. Otherwise, Martinelli would have played. They sat very high. They committed a lot of men forward. There was spaces in behind. And I felt as though if we had an outlet there, Ramsdale might have been able to to find him a couple of times. Tavares might have been helped out of a couple of more sticky situations. And we might, might have been away with Martinelli. And as you say, without a, a proper goal threat, um, it's tricky. I, I just can't help but feeling, instead of making the Eddie substitution at 60 minutes, why can't we make the Martinelli one up front? Why can't we make a Pepe one up front? Why can't we, you know, like in that situation yesterday at 3-0, there's no better moment to do it. So, so I, you know, to, to, to see, to see if it works in game. Um, I understand his reticence. I really do. But I, 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 there's, as I say, there's got to be another solution and I wonder what it is. Yeah. I mean, the only, the, the solution that we know and that we needed to, to, is to get a striker in, you know? Yeah. That, that is the solution. Eddie Nketiah, Nicola Pepe, right now, Gabriel Martinelli, that none of them offer what we need from a centre forward. I don't think Martinelli would be a, a, as effective at centre forward right now as he is at left wing. And that's just because of the nature of his game and his youth. I think he could definitely blossom into a great centre forward in a few years, but just not right now. And I think that these are the teething issues that we were always going to get after being unable to bring anyone in in the summer. So what you're saying, Brad, is that had we got Haaland, we would be better? Of course. Had we got any competent footballer who happens to play at centre forward, I think we'd be better. Neil Mope? Genuinely, I think Neil Mope would make us a better footballer. No, 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 no. I'm not having that. I am not having that. Are you joking? Lacazette is probably no. on the level of Neil Mope. That's about it. He's not better than Neil Mope. Neil Mope is a charlatan. He is a I'm charlatan. I, I, I am. I am aware. I am aware, and so is Lacazette. Lacazette is probably. I th- I think it, could we go through all twenty Premier League teams and name a better number nine. I think we. I. I don't think you're far off. Should we try it? So yeah, go on, go on. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, I'm on let's, the let's do it. website. Get get the league it's, table up. Ne- ne- it's not even worth going through City, Liverpool, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Okay. Palace. Mateta is Mateta better. Yeah. Odds and Edward is better. C- C- Leicester City. Vardy. Yeah. I'd even take Daka. Villa. Danny Ings is better. What? Yeah. Or Watkins. Yeah. Watkins, Southampton, Broha's way better. Mm-hmm. Brighton, we might have a chance, or that with your fucking Neil Mopet agenda, maybe not. I think they're on the level. I think I think they're on the level of each other. Okay, Newcastle, Chris Wood. That's a tricky one. Depends what you're trying to do. Chris Wood is better at what he does than Lacazette is at what he does. It's just that Lacazette would flourish more in our system because of the way that we play. Okay. Brentford. Yep, Tony. Yep. Leeds have got um, Bamford. Bamford. Everton have got DCL and Richarlison. Yeah. R- uh, Richarlison, yeah. Watford, I'd take Josh King over Lacquer. I'd take, yeah. This is getting offensive. Burnley. Veghorst. Veghorst and Norwich. Okay, we might be right with Norwich. They are rock bottom of the... Timu Puki. I would take Timu Puki right now over Lacazette. I actually would. 
I think that's where I'll differ with you. I I, th- I think Lacazette <laughs> is better than Timu Puki. Like not by much. Let's be clear, not by much. You're talking pennies on the pound. Like <laughs> this is fucking tragic, isn't it? But I mean, Absolutely it just shows. Tragic. It just it it just shows that um, like I respect the club and board's decision to only go for the people that we want to go for and for the right price. 100%. But with that, we have to accept these issues and these teething issues that we were always going to get from not having, uh, you know, f- literally having one of the worst centre forwards in the league. Maybe the worst. <laughs> Maybe. He, he could be in the relegation. He is. He, he's in the relegation zone of centre forwards. It's him, Neil Mope and Timu Puki. Battling it out. How far the mighty have fallen. So what did I say once? It's like a load of pigeons fighting over a scrap of bread or something. Fucking hell. Um, okay, well, tell you what, as much as we were poor, Palace were really good. And Gallagher is a fucking baller, mate. He's a if, baller. I'd if, definitely honestly, have him over Mason Mount in the World Cup squad, by the way. Absolutely. And if, for example, Chelsea are in a fucked situation and need to sell players, Gallagher is going to be one of the only assets that they can recoup a decent fee for. I'd be straight in there with a £40 million bid. Unbelievable Left player. Eight. Unbelievable yep. player. And does both sides of the game as well. He's a, he's a real asset, mate. And he's got the mentality. He's got that fire in his eyes. You can just see it. We've discussed the first goal a little bit. Uh, we, we have different takes on it. I... I... <laughs> You know, I just think it's it's a it's, calamity of errors. It, there's three moments that shouldn't happen. You know, the the Tavares moment shouldn't happen. Ben White just loses his man and shouldn't. Um, and you know, you make your own luck, and we made our that, own that's bad. That's how luck. I see it. We we that's made our own it. bad yeah. luck there by backing out of challenges and losing our man and just letting them have a free run. You know, we let them out a free header on the six yard box for fuck's sake. Yeah, I, I think what happens with goals though sometimes is that people don't people see them in isolation and out of the context of what was happening. If if someone gets a lucky goal, but they've been dominating and in your box for like sixty minutes of a ninety minute football match, like Man City get a, get a tap in at the very end, and then you know the the other teams different knock podcast equivalent will be like, oh well, they're just lucky, got a lucky goal at the end. It's like well. They, as you say, they make their own luck. And I think it's one of those things where we over-index like a moment, you know, oh, th- this player should have done this and Tavares doesn't track his man, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying those things aren't true. I'm just saying the thing that is way more um, apparent to me in these situations is the fact that they were dominating us <laughs> and had a lot of the ball. I just think that those things are the things that you you index and change and make significant differences in whether you're a Europa League club or Champions League club or a title-winning club, you know? they No, they do. But do you not think people go into this minute detail of, oh, if so-and-so did this and but then, that, oh, this of person, that Of course, but that that's person. the game. But that is the game. For example, the title race is so close right now. If this is the last game of the season for one of the two, you know, challengers of the title and that one goal is the goal to decide it, the fact that White doesn't track his run his man's run, could lose you a Premier League title. This game is all about fine margins and we say that all the time. So we also then don't get the right to take those fine margins out of view. Like, I'm not taking them out of view. No, no. And I also, I don't think I don't think that we should lambast these people and, and go, oh, do you know what? It's a ridiculous error from White and a ridiculous error from Tavares and they're the reason we lost the game. No, we were thoroughly outplayed. And whether it wasn't that goal or another goal, I have every confidence that they would have found a way to score because they were much better than us last night. But we still have to notice where we can make these incremental improvements. And, you know, White knows it. If you watch the replay, he puts his hands over his face because he knows he's at fault for it. And it's noticing those kind of things and changing them that turn you from a Europa League to a Champions League and from a Champions League to a title winning club. You know, it's making those differences. So you have to notice them. I I, I don't disagree with that. What the part I'm trying to say, the thing I'm trying to say is that in the analysis of the of the game, what happens is... And in the moment of what happens, people get very, very bogged down, in my opinion, in isolated incidents rather than patterns of seeing what's going on. 
For example, I'm much more annoyed, way more annoyed, about Gabrielle stepping out too early for the second goal than any other moment for the goals tonight. And possibly the Odegaard thing, because he's starting to do that too too often. He's starting to come back and make stupid challenges. That's the second time he's done it this season. If he does it a few more times, that's a real problem. Am I going to be really, really annoyed about Gabrielle's nick, nicked header? Like, no. Do you know what I mean? I think people really get bogged down in those in the moment. And I'm like, it's just well, it's a, it costs a moment that happens something. in the game. Of, of course, of course. But in the yeah. analysis of it, we need to be looking for patterns and seeing what's actually going on you should be, in my of opinion course, fans course. should be way more concerned about the patterns than the isolated incidents i think that's what i'm trying to say um no 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 i agree ha- i agree have to say selhurst park man fucking what hell. a fan base they are amazing <laughs> credit to them what's that thing everyone does class class act or whatever like when when yeah. other opposition not not a palace fan but class act or whatever yeah fucking Second goal, Gabrielle steps out too early, as I say, and it's a terrible cutout. Um, that's more my concern. Tavares is on his heels, but I don't know. I, I think I think Tavares should... A seasoned professional would see that centre-back go and track the run inside because the run inside is more dangerous than the run outside and that's Tavares's mistake yeah yeah that's it and that's but a 21 he, he's not, old player's yeah. mistake do you know what I mean he's not a seasoned professional this is what I mean what so like, <laughs> this is what I mean and this is what I said at the very top of the show you get out what you put in if it's you're putting it in is, a, 20, a 21 year old player that's what you're gonna that's what's gonna happen it's it's karmic almost. We you know yeah. we complain about having a striker that doesn't do anything, but we didn't sign one. We complain yeah. about our our left back who we haven't given a minute to for the last three months, and then expected him to start against a team who dominate the wings. You yeah, know, and, and I I think that's right. But also the idea that we can't we can't say at the end of these long threads about how well we're doing, and he's doing this with the youngest team in the league. And also not expect, and the other side when we make mistakes, not include that fact. Do you know what I mean? That, that is, we have to accept it. Have to say, two people who probably do deserve credit from our side. Uh, I think Mikel made the right decisions at the right moments tonight. Made the subs when I when I was when I was looking for them, and probably the right substitutions. Mm-hmm. And Xhaka, Xhaka actually had a really good game. Most forward passes. Um, won three duels, 95% passing accuracy, a lot of stuff went through him, a uh, couple of tackles won. I think he did really well and, and when he was asked to step into the left back position, I think he did, I think he 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 held second his own, half so was a different him. game. Second half was a completely different game so and he the second different yeah, one? that was a fucking horrendous <laughs> crack there. The second <laughs> half was a completely different game and uh you know he stepped up as well as you know a number of other players. I was really impressed with Lakonga's kind of six minute cameo, yes. or however, yeah. however long Somebody it was. Very well. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the Saka incident where um, he, we don't get the penalty? It if if you're giving the Zaha one, you have to give that one. But I would be okay in a world where you give neither. Yeah, does that, so does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, mate. And this is the thing: I've long said referees should referee the game that they are that they're meant to control this football match. Don't worry about whether I gave something ten weeks ago, or whatever, because you, you'll never win that battle. What you will win is being consistent within a game. And he doesn't blow for the Saka thing, which is fine. Okay, you know, I, I've seen them given, but okay, I understand your rationale. I wish it was given. Obviously, I'm an Arsenal fan, but then he blows. 10 seconds later for the exact same foul that Gabrielle commits. It's that's the part that frustrates me. That mm-hmm. that that's the bit that really frustrates. It is literally the same foul. So you think it's a foul, okay, in which case so it happened in the box. So therefore where's the pen? It like it they are exact they are um carbon copies of each other. That that frustrated me. Really got to me. Um, there's one yeah. thing as well that, that really started to frustrate me last night and it, I, you know it's always frustrated me about Lacazette that guy would get so many more penalties if he didn't roll around on the floor like he just had his leg sawn off by Leatherface <laughs> 
every time he gets touched. I don't even know who that is. I'm gonna. It just sounds funny. Like it's it's Alex. It's horrendous. Like there was a moment. Oh God. Yeah, there was. It's that's it's, terrifying. That's terrifying, right? There was a moment where he was on. I think the right our right hand side, probably looking at like the the halfway line. He gets kind of knocked, goes to the floor, and just audibly screaming. And then, not fifteen seconds later, is up jogging back towards his position. It annoys me just because of how fucking stupid it is. Because how do you not know that that is the exact way that you get a reputation for being a play actor and a diver, and the team will suffer because we will then stop getting the correct decisions that involve you? I completely agree. That is exactly like, and and from from our senior professional who's paid £180,000 a week, you know, Mikel should have walked in that dressing room last night and slapped him around the back of the head for doing it because it's it's moronic, it's moronic shit that I would expect a a 16-year-old, an under-16s player to understand, let alone a 30-year-old professional footballer who is at the peak of his career. Like it's it's moronic and it consistently this season, we have not gotten decisions from uh, tackles on Lacazette and it's because of him and because of the way he acts. Do you know what I want now? I want that um, audio clip of the video of the guy who says, Ecuador, that guy, at the very end of it, they go, well said, mate, well said. Well said, mate. I've had a fucking enough. I've had a fucking enough. Well said. No, I think you're completely right. And the th- the team that you want to be is the team that when we complain, you know it's a problem. Do you ever had that kid in school who like, or, or like people in your workplace or whatever, there's always one person that when you you know when they're complaining, it's shit's gone wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're speaking up. So fucking hell, this must have gone very bad. Uh, and we want to be that team because because then you 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 hold influence and power. Um, big chance fell to Smith Rowe, um, weak shot. It happens. Ultimately, it's one of those things that it kind of reminded me of the end of, uh, sort of 2020 when we were just creating nothing that the chances become more and more significant because we're not creating enough. Do you know what I mean? So in, in another game, Smith Rowe would have three more of those and put one of them away and, and we wouldn't be talking about it. Um, I think similar with, uh, Erdegaard as well. There was one, there was one, um, a chance for Erdegaard uh, from an Inketia cutback. And I, f- I felt the same about that. It was just, if we get more of those, you'll score one of them at some point. Um, the party injury is concerning. Um, Partey's coming off a big high with Ghana. Um, I, I think Sambi is perfectly capable of stepping up. I just, you know, I, I saw a stat before the game that was Shaka and Party have a 79% win rate. And, you know, that guy completely runs our midfield when he's on. When he's on form, I appreciate he looked literally drunk yesterday, but um, him and Odegaard had definitely been down in pints before the game. But um, it is a concern. Um, yeah. Any any thoughts on that? Or, okay. uh, nothing. The There's nothing penalty, to say, is there? Oh, the penalty. Oh. It's it's poor from Odegaard. I think when I first saw it, I felt. Um, I felt like it wasn't a pen, but it's one It's one of those ones where you're like, you know, when you just watch something, you know, you're like, it's not a pen and you keep watching it. You're like, wait, could, wait, it might. Yeah, it's probably a pen, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a pen in the same way the Saka one is. Do you know what I mean? If you're giving one, you have to give both. And and, and that's why it's, it's frustrating because he has given. And, you know, I, I've seen that apparently the Saka incident wasn't even checked by VAR. What's the fucking point in VAR then? Again, it's there's there's such inconsistencies across the board. You know, you know both of our opinions that you just need to put it in a fucking bin and burn it at this rate. But um, I, I, one thing I will also say, Palace players love a dive far too much. Wilfred Zaha was a player with such potential and has turned himself into the Tom Daly of football. And that is it. Any contact he goes down, he is so much better than he ever plays. And it's just because he consistently dives. Yeah, he's looking for it. I think it's one of those things in being in a less ball dominant team as he has been in trying to get the ball up the pitch has been a difficulty. And I think he's found that basically by falling over, He's allowed his team to get 5, 10, 15 yards further up the pitch, basically. 
think it's a tactic, but actually under Vieira, they look really good, so maybe he'll stop doing it. Why did Saka and Martinelli swap wings? Could not work that out. Could not work that out. I didn't understand what that was meant for. Um, I appreciate they were kind of doing a number on Saka. They they did a lot of work in the first half to cut out his um, the pathways to him. But I couldn't work that one out. That was strange. Um and it just and it just wasn't our day, mate. Do you know what I mean? It just wasn't our day. Like there was the Gehi goal line clearance, which was ridiculous, and Ketty hit the bar. And at that point, I was just it was three 0 I was sipping my pint, and I was just like, I, I found it quite funny actually. At the end, it was sort it was just one of those days where you're like, it was like a throwback right. to last season. It really was. It really was. And I because I because I feel like the direction of travel is really good. I'm less like aggrieved by it. I'm like, it's really frustrating and I wish that didn't happen. I can see how it happened and as long as we fix that, it's sort of fine. I didn't think there was a huge problem with the setup. I didn't, you know, I'm not looking at that going, where are we going? Where's our club going? It's just one of those days. Just one of those days. Anything else on the game, Brad? Nah, nothing from me. Well then, I'll see you after this. News and Give me an impression to do the news and views in, Brad. Ali McCoist. I've never I can't I don't I can't remember who that is. Is he a Scottish guy? Yeah. He's a present he's one of the commentators. Um Why don't you why don't you do the news and views in his voice? Go on. Abs I'd rather die. I'd I'd <laughs> rather die. <laughs> Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views. But mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, turn on notifications if you're a review, and please support us on Patreon. Please support us on Patreon, where you get access to ad-free versions of the main podcast and the preview podcast when people reply to us for just £3 a month. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can... Buy me a coffee. Anything you can give, monthly or one-off, helps the podcast. Links from the show description. Also... Uh, I'm going to start weekly videos on YouTube. I know I've said a few times on this podcast, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. This is actually happening. So if you don't follow the Different Knock uh, YouTube channel, please go over there. I'm still waiting for a video back from my editor. When it is back, it will be uploaded. And guess what it's about, Brad? My hatred of Kieran Tierney. Hatred. Which is pointless because it's not like we're going to have him for for the rest of the season. (laughs) Sell him. Get rid of him. Gonna get through this. I bloody hope so, mate. Says, important players really, really poor tonight when we needed the most. Big shout out to Sambi for coming on and playing exactly how Partey should have played tonight. Yep, completely agree. Yep. I, I, I feel less less concerned about the... I feel less concerned personnel-wise by the Sambi-Partey situation but and more concerned system-wise by the... I feel more concerned both personnel and system-wise is what I'm trying to say, but said it very, very badly about the uh, Tavares situation. That's more my concern in both mm. those aspects. Um, I think Sambi will come in and do fine. And I think if Xhaka just plays a little bit more conservatively, we have Martinelli. And I think if we... I think it might be the time then, if we have Smith-Rowe in the false nine, it might help us out in that situation as well because he can come retrieve the ball and do both sides of the game in the in the Lacazette situation. Mm. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see. Felix Sumba said about Gabriel, the weakness in Gabriel has been identified a long time ago. It isn't just a one-off. I expect him to outgrow this in time. They're speaking about stepping out. However, if we get Europe and need an extra centre-back, his starting position is in danger. Holding is a bench option. Saliba is talented, but not ready. That's just not true. <laughs> like, it just isn't true. <laughs> like, you, like I'm, I'm, I love, I love our centre-back partnership. And I think that they, um, I think they're both brilliant. Look at the work Saliba's done in France. He prof- he's got better numbers than both of our centre-backs. Uh, fine, he's doing it in a worse league. He's also four years younger doing it in a only slightly worse league or, or, than you would consider kind of quality-wise. If we're talking about him stepping in for Europa League games or also taking his spot for Premier League games, he's absolutely ready for that. There is there is honestly no point Arsenal going out and signing another centre-back. Unless we're going to sell him. If we're going to sell him, then fair enough. Go out and sign a 
27 year old but then are you signing that 27 year old to replace Gabriel or are you are you signing him as the third option the dynamic of Saliba coming back will work so well for Arsenal one because of the age ranges and two because of the amount of football that we've got to share around the squad and three because he's unbelievably talented there's like I, I, I get that people wax lyrical and blow his abilities out of proportion but to say he's not ready is ridiculous like literally just look at what he's doing in the French league. Like, of course he's ready to play some football for us. Even if it's just 15 games in a season, it's whether he wants to accept that littler role. That's the question. Yep. <laughs> I I feel less strongly about Saliba. Um, I'm, the jury's out a bit more for me, but that's fine. Um I just think the centre-back group's going to be interesting next year. I, I have to say I'm in agreement with Felix that I'm not sure how secure Gabriel's starting position is. I'd be interested to see him challenged and see what happens. Um, I'd be interested to see them both challenged, to be fair. you know, like I don't think it's ever good for a team to have, unless you've got like a Van Dijk or a Ramos, I don't think it's ever good to have a team which, where you have a, a player who's completely undroppable in, in those two positions. I think you've always got to have at least someone who can come in in basically every position, actually. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm i interested to see. I mean, Holding, as I've said before, I think we're very lucky to have Holding because I don't think you could sign a player with his Premier League experience, with his character, and with his specific um, qualities in the way he can see out a game and, and slot into a five really well and just be a back-to-the-wall defender who would want to come here and want to do that and want to hit Alex's mic and want to actually, you know, contribute in the way that Holding does. So I think we're very lucky to have him and I hope we can hold on to him for as long as possible because he's a very different option. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope he stays for a long time. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I am interested to see how that how that shakes out. Um, we had an email from Fluid. Hey. Chaps. We're chaps. Great listen to the newly dubbed Emodium Plus podcast. I'm usually cautious about young players and making predictions as to how good they're going to be, but I've watched Brooke Norton Cuffey live twice in the last month. This boy can play. It's all there. Power and pace, defensive nous, determination, attacking flair, game intelligence. Factoring in the level, League One, but also his age, just 18, this lad can play for Arsenal. Uh, this is about our discussion on the last podcast about um, uh, right back. Right back. We can do in that situation. He says, keep up the good work. I'm not given to hyping young players. Liam Brady, age 16, was the last one I got excited about. Got excited about a 16-year-old. A bit weird. Um, <laughs> sorry, Cluid. That was cheap, wasn't it? Sorry. Um, that was funny. Thanks, Brad. Uh, <laughs> good to know you appreciate me. Um yeah, look, Norton Cuffey, um, from my extensive three minutes of watching him on a, a clip that came out of him against Charlton, looks the bees, knees. <laughs> I need to finish Is that he playing sentence. in League One or the Championship? League One, yeah. Okay. But he's 18, good height, stocky, quick, can beat people, both feet. Um, he, I, I like the look of him, and I think he potentially... He might need another loan. But it's also one of those where I think pre-season is always interesting and always changes, will always change your perception about someone. Even even if it's that person Mm -hmm. isn't good enough, that person is good enough. Remember Sambi's perception completely skyrocketed from the beginning of pre-season to the end because he came in and did well. And people went, who's this guy? You know, as much as, you know, we knew he was probably going to be good considering his kind of stock. But someone's someone's stock will rise and fall and... and, um, I think potentially Brooke Norton Cuffey uh, could be that guy. We'll see. We'll see. I've literally not watched any of him, so I can't really say. No, no, no. Wildly speculate. Go on. I think he will be the next Cafu. That's Callum Chambers, mate. Come on. I miss Cal. Did you hear uh, over the weekend that Arsenal are set to appoint a new specialist to our coaching staff? Did you know this, Brad? No. I didn't know this until just now. Uh, we're bringing in a head of kicking, Joan Carlos Zapato, to become the club's new head of kicking. Arteta and Zapato... Maybe Lacazette's staying. 
spent some time, <laughs> some years together at La Masia, but while the former went on to have a long professional playing career, his compatriot never quite made the grade and has built a career as a coach. What do you think about that? Head of kicking. Do they mean kicking for like goalkeepers or kicking I think in they just general? Mean kicking or? in general, like te- the the kicking technique. Fair enough. I was hoping for a more spectacular response because that was an April Fool and I was hoping I could really get you and that's oh. really, that's really not worked. Fuck's sake. Heartbreak. 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 <laughs> uh, we'll have to finish a little bit a little bit early today because I'm having I'm teaching, Brad, an Italian class. Can you can you believe this? You're teaching I've Italian. Teaching, I'm not teach I'm not teaching Italian. Uh I'm teaching <laughs> English. I can't speak Italian, so that would be interesting. It would be like me talking about things that I have absolutely no idea about, like and starting a podcast about it or something. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Um, who does that? Who does that? But um, yeah, I teach Italian people how to speak English because apparently they like my voice. They said I have good pronunciation, so that's how I got the job. Well. Great, con- great contribution. Thanks, mate. Uh, we should have a little update in the Word of the Game battle. Congratulations. Thanks, mate. Is, is, is that what you ordered? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All the validation. I'm winning. I'm oh, now winning off. the Word of the Game battle. I think from like 5-1 down or something. Yeah, this is a we farce. Now, we now have to go back to Grinder and Manage. And Octagon says, I haven't even finished the pod, but top-notch banter, Alex. BA5, AM6. So that's where we're at, mate. He, he, so he gave it to you for the banter rather than the word. Octo, mate, the standards are slipping. <laughs> you say this every time you don't win. That's what happens. I know, I know. You you claim you claim bias, you claim you claim Always. standards are slipping. Always. Always. Uh Brad, we just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. The question I asked you before the international break. So if you remember this, fair play to you, uh, was the theme was Highbury Stadium. And the question was, what was Highbury's capacity? 38,000. 200. 38,419. Oh, was that a guess? Yeah. Blag. Absolute blag. Completely forgot Arsenal trivia existed. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Some people say it's their favourite bit of the show. Mate, it's so say, good. I have a friend who says it's his favourite bit of the show, which is kind of nice, kind of offensive. <laughs> yeah, that bit before we were talking about football, we can just cut that. Um, your question for next week is uh, around the theme of kit manufacturers. Arsenal was sponsored for a long time by Nike. Name one of the two people who founded Nike, or two if you can. Arsenal sponsored for a long time by Nike. Name one of the two people who founded Nike. And a theme for next week, please, Bramley. The theme for next week will be... Always ask you this. And I always forget, <laughs> as per usual, so to pull it out of my ass again. Well, maybe not. It's going to be... Maybe not out of your ass. Cup final team sheets. Cup final team sheets. How niche. I love that. We'll finish, as we always do now, with a quote from the Little Book of Arsenal. Just get to sit back and relax. Favourite bit of the show. Oh, here we go. It's my my favourite quote, maybe, of Arsenal's history. When I was younger, even though I had an older brother, my parents would give me the house key every day. It's in my head that I'm a leader. Granite Xhaka. It certainly is in your head, mate. It certainly is. <laughs> pleasure as always, Bramley. Oh, my friend, what a pleasure. What a pleasure. Um, we'll have a podcast for you post-Brighton. Uh, we'll hopefully also post have a Britain. preview podcast, depending on how Bradley's health is. Um, we'll see. Yeah, thanks for listening. Keep a different knock. Thanks, guys. Up the Arsenal. We'll see you later. Peace.
Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.